Good morning. It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Today is Thursday, March 31st, 2022. I'm Robert Woolsey with Raven News. Commercial trolling for king salmon will reopen on April 3rd on the outside waters of southeast Alaska and could remain open for most of the month following an emergency order by the Alaska Department of Fish and Game yesterday. The move partially restores the traditional timeline of the winter troll fishery, which in 2018 was cut back by six weeks to March 15th in order to conserve stocks of wild salmon returning to southeast Alaska's major river systems. Trollers will be able to fish until they catch 28,000 Treaty Chinook, or king salmon originating from areas outside of Alaska, as negotiated under the Pacific Salmon Treaty with Canada. Grant Hagerman, regional trollfish management biologist, says the Alaska Board of Fisheries at its March meeting gave ADF&G some room to work within the 2018 Chinook action plans. The directive um, giving us the flexibility to, to look into this um, was uh, was new this year as opposed to uh, the last cycle where we had very clear directives that the fisheries would close that, you know, um, on certain dates. Um, this is uh, giving the department the flexibility to look either direction um, in addition to what's written in the action plans. Hagerman says that genetic sampling and coded wire tagging have given managers a good picture of stock composition at this time of year, and there are significant differences between Chinook moving along the outer coast and those headed to inside waters. Waters open to winter trolling include the outer bays and passes from Cape Omni north to Sitka Sound, Cross Sound, and Yakutat Bay. April historically has been a good month for trolling, with improved weather and higher concentrations of king salmon available in open areas. Although the opening is specifically designed to exclude Chinook moving into inside waters, it's not intended to exclude the trollers who live there. Despite the short notice, Hagerman hopes that inside trollers will find time during the four-week opening to make the trip outside and take advantage of the opportunity. You know, springing this after being closed for several weeks, you know, I'm sure some permit holders have made other plans, you know, either vacationing or have done large boat projects now, anticipating that we would not have opportunities until May. And so that that is unfortunate. Um, but again, this is still something that we've um, and will probably continue to in the future provide as an opportunity to these guys in, uh, or these, these fishermen in, uh, in April. The winter troll fishery will reopen on April 3rd and remain open until closed by emergency order or April 30th, whichever comes first. A tugboat that ran aground in Neva Strait last week has been safely towed back to Sitka. The Western Mariner was refloated shortly after noon on Tuesday and arrived back in Sitka around 5 p.m. It's currently moored at the Samson Tug and Barge Utility Dock. According to a situation report from the Alaska Department of Environmental Conservation, a light diesel sheen remained in the area where the boat was grounded. They're still monitoring the containment boom left in the area to capture any remaining diesel sheen. The state is trying to determine how much diesel is on shore in Neva Strait and nearby areas. On Monday, the shoreline cleanup team identified three beaches in Neva Strait that were, quote, lightly oiled and recommended flushing the areas out with low-pressure seawater. A Pro team began those beach cleanup efforts on Tuesday. The Western Mariner was towing an Alaska Marine Lines freight barge on the morning of March 21st when a steering failure led, to the, boats, uh, led the boats to collide, pushing the Western Mariner onto the beach. One of its fuel tanks ruptured in the accident, and diesel began spilling into the ocean. 
It took salvage crews around three days to slow and finally to stop the spill entirely. The Western Mariner can hold 50,000 gallons of fuel. Crews recovered around 32,000 gallons of fuel and around 11,000 gallons of mixed oil and water. The DEC reports that the exact amount of diesel fuel spilled remains unknown. Harbor rates may increase slightly more than what was initially planned in Sitka. When the Sitka Assembly met on Tuesday night, it voted to bump its recommended harbor rate increase from just over 6% to just over 8%. That's after the Port and Harbors Commission recommended the slightly larger increase for next fiscal year. Stan Eliason is Sitka's harbor master. He said the commission preferred the assembly go with a bigger increase for FY23 and smaller increases in future years. Basically, they want to take the pain up front and over the course of the next few years, um, hopefully that uh, rate increase will decrease. City Finance Director Melissa Haley said the updated increase would generate around $55,000 in revenue for the Harbor Department, which has several ongoing repair projects and long-term replacements planned for the next decade. 2020 and 2021 were tough years for the harbor budget, but things were looking up this year. This was one of the funds that was more impacted by the pandemic, um, and that was exacerbated by uh, low raw fish tax at the same time. The raw fish tax seems to be looking up, um, as do projections even for the current fiscal year we're in. So we're, we're hopefully um, looking at kind of what the new normal for the harbor fund is here um, with higher revenue. The assembly unanimously approved the harbor increase recommended by the commission. It left all of the other planned rate increases unchanged from its last meeting. Most of the anticipated rate increases for FY23 are steeper than they have been for the last few years in response to historic inflation levels. Right now, the draft budget includes a 5% increase for the water fund, 8% for wastewater, 4% for the city's electric fund, and just over 7% for solid waste. City Finance Director Melissa Haley estimated that the cost increase on average for a family with electric heat and the larger garbage can would add up to around $412 more per year. The Assembly is nearing the end of its budget process with the final budget up for approval at the beginning of May. Its next special budget meeting is scheduled for 6 p.m. on April 7th. (music) Municipalities across the state, including Sitka, have dropped pandemic restrictions, but a lot of people are still getting COVID-19. KTOO's Claire Strempel checked in with the state's chief medical officer, Dr. Ann Zink, to talk about this moment of living with COVID while many are ready to move on. So I myself got COVID last week, and you maybe can hear some lingering congestion in my voice. And it was a strange moment after spending two years working to avoid getting sick um, to get COVID while I'm hearing about kind of a post-pandemic world. And I wasn't alone. A lot of people I know here in Juneau are also getting sick lately. How is public health thinking about this moment? And how about your colleagues who work in clinical settings? Yeah, I think it's continued to change throughout the pandemic. You know, we really have very different tools in 2022 than we did in 2020. It's never fun to be sick. And so I'm sorry that you got sick. Uh, And it can be, I think, particularly sometimes for many frightening after, as you mentioned, avoiding it for many years um, because we don't know the long-term implications of the disease. We're learning a lot and we know a lot more now than we did beforehand. 
there's also no shame in getting COVID. Um, and so, uh, you know, it's a highly, highly contagious virus that just moves quickly from person to person. So I think we need to make sure that we just, we, we recognize that as well. Um, it's just, it's just a virus and it's just contagious and, and people are going to get it, uh, overall. Um, you know, I'm not surprised that many vaccinated people are getting, uh, COVID-19, uh, right now as it is so transmissible, but what's great is to see some of our lowest hospitalization rates, uh, during the whole pandemic is what we're seeing right now. And we're just not seeing the same rate of people um, getting really sick, needing to go to the emergency department, being hospitalized um, and dying from this disease. It's still happening. Uh, still admit people all the time in the emergency department, but nothing like we saw, particularly during the Delta wave. We got hit so hard in the state by the Delta wave. And then what we saw particularly in other states and other countries early on. Yeah. Speaking of kind of the metrics that we're looking at, um, we relied on case counts for a long time to understand what was happening with the pandemic in our communities. Some people check them every day, like the weather. Um, hospital numbers are a really important indicator now, as you mentioned. What's the state's plan for tracking cases and, and tracking the virus going forward? So we've always known from the beginning that we have not identified every case. Uh, we identified a lot of cases, particularly at the beginning, uh, but we have never identified all the cases. There was asymptomatic spread. There are people who did not want to get tested. And now we probably have an even higher likelihood that we're not seeing all the case numbers because people are doing home testing. Home testing isn't reported. Um, they may be testing in, in different avenues and we see a real change in that landscape. So we just recognize we're not able to see all of the cases. The same is true with influenza and with other diseases where they have really gone to a surveillance reporting. So looking at the overall state and getting a sampling to have a good sense of what's happening um, with that disease progression. And then we use those numbers in combination with other things like you mentioned, hospitalization data, what we call syndromic surveillance data, how many people are showing up to the emergency department and being diagnosed with COVID, being diagnosed with influenza, or showing up with symptoms that look similar to that. So we want to make sure that we're taking all of those things uh, into consideration. And so in Juneau, some people are calling this moment a wave of cases, a noticeable number of people are getting sick. And I'm wondering if you're seeing that in other parts of the state, or if the Juneau wave is showing up in data at all. I think that Juno Wave is definitely showing up in the media uh, and it is uh, showing up a little bit in the data. Um, but we've had other waves like this in other parts of the state. But, you know, this is a time when a lot of people's eyes are on Juno given the legislative session. So I think there's a little bit of extra attention and focus uh, in that region right now. But we've We've seen this since the beginning of the pandemic, where particularly uh, with Delta and then Omicron, it just moves so fast that it will kind of sweep through a, a town uh, or a region very, very quickly just because it's so transmissible. And then it moves to another region. Dr. Zink, thank you so much. That was KTOO's Claire Strempel talking to Alaska's chief medical officer, Dr. Ann Zink. And that's all for local news for this hour. I'm Robert Woolsey, and this has been Raven News. Thanks for joining me. I hope you have a great morning. This is 